Hello and welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze. The show is brought to you by the Grey Schooler Institute, located on the Gold Coast in Australia. The show is also hosted by our very special website, navigatingthecancermazeaustralia.org. So please check out our other interviews on the website and we hope that you enjoy, in fact I know that you'll enjoy, this interview with Fran Drescher. Where 21st century breakthrough cancer medicine is practiced. Now Fran is well known to so many millions around the world. Uh, she's an actor who uh, portrayed um, an amazing role, a funny role in the hit sitcom The Nanny and um, has since starred in many, many shows but has come back to do Happily Divorced with um, her ex-husband and I believe that show will be actually coming to Australia in the not-too-distant future. Um so, with interviewing Fran Drescher, well, what history do I share with Fran Drescher? And I guess um, it's fair to say, why did I specifically want to interview Fran on this show? Well, actually, apart from being the star that she is who walks her talk, um, she's really dedicated to helping others. And this is very clear in the organisation that she has helped to found, which is Cancer Schmancer. What else could you expect someone like Fran Drescher to call a cancer organisation that's really um, encouraging people a little bit to thumb their nose at cancer and to say, well, this isn't good enough. We've got a lot of things here that cause cancer and there is something that we can actually do about it. So she's quite an advocate and an activist. But there's another common thread that uh, we both share, and I'd call it probably members of the Scar Clan, because Fran and I have both had fairly serious issues with that all-important female part, the uterus. So uh, today Fran's going to share her story with us um, after the first break of her survival of uterine cancer. And it's a story that she's crafted into what I'd call a teaching story so that others can actually learn from her experience, hence the organisation Cancer Schmancer. Um, as I shared in last week's Navigating the Cancer Maze, uh, we use my memoirs, Grace, Grit and Gratitude, as a sort of a launch pad to begin talking about these issues of women's health. Now, my story parallels a little bit with Fran's, but uh, takes a slight prolapse repair that turned into a 13-year medical nightmare. Um, so very healthy, Fran one day and then the next in hospital uh, with severe complications from a routine surgery. And those complications caused me, with a healthy colon, to experience eventually, over many, many years and 21 surgeries, uh, the removal of five feet of large colon and about five feet of small, as well as limb. Um, and this was actually caused by paralysis of the nerves that innervated my colon. It's doing what we do then these things come our way and it, I think it goes to show that no one's really immune to these issues but we can share some of these experiences as Fran does and as I do um, 
with other women so that we're a lot more um, aware, we're a lot more aware of what the questions are that we need to be asking about our health care and uh, not just willing to accept the first diagnosis or the first um, doctor or even naturopath that actually comes along. Um, my experience was fairly significant and I became a bag lady and I don't mean the kind that you find on the street. Um, I had a series of ileostomies and colostomies, all failed, all, all leaked, all burned my abdomen severely and basically my life and my well was was pretty devastated but it was thanks to then again a forward-thinking Dutch colorectal surgeon who actually cared about my life and my well-being who gave me another chance and I had a bionic surgery uh, performed actually in Holland in 2002-2003. So the price is fairly high for, look, this is not only for women, I guess with Fran's issue today, we're only talking about the women's issues with this, but uh, in men for even breast cancer now, which is becoming relatively prominent in men, where before virtually unheard of, and uh, for all the women's cancers as well, for prostate cancer in men, we're really seeing people being diagnosed a lot earlier than there would have been, uh, say, 50 years ago. And look, even in my practice, which I started in this work 38 years ago, uh, mo most of the women that I was seeing then were over 50 and perhaps the majority over 60 years old. And the youngest breast cancer uh, patient that I have seen uh, has been uh, 18. The youngest ovarian cancer that I've uh, been aware of in, in my practice was actually 16 years old. So, you know, what's happening? Um, so that's going to be a lot of what Dra um, Jan, <laughs> Jan, Fran Drescher is talking about today. Um, there's a lot of aspects actually of Fran's story uh, which are really, really relevant to women. But I think probably the one that I'd like to really hone in on today is that of early detection. And uh, during my 38 years in my cancer practice, I'd like to also add to what Fran's going to say um, in the interview because we've worked out our, our questions for this. Um, but I've consulted with thousands of women who actually knew that they just knew that something was not right with their health and they'd gone to many doctors or naturopaths and they'd sought assurance that they were okay so we might call this um, an instinct or an intuition that something's actually going on and uh, for many people you might think well yeah this, this is okay but we're hmm, I can flip into paranoia or neurosis about this and be really frightened that you actually may have cancer but you know in 38 years I can't remember a single patient that I would consider paranoid or neurotic who actually turned up with a diagnosis of cancer or some other serious condition after they'd followed their intuition and sometimes this had been for many many months so many of these women like Fran Drescher have told me of their struggle to actually be given a voice to be heard or to be listened to by doctors or other therapists. So, you know, sometimes women just accept the problem or a possible misdiagnosis because they just 
don't believe or they're not in touch with that age-old intuition that we have. And we can really tap into that. A lot of it's to do with actually trusting ourselves, trusting our feelings and trusting that we kind of know our bodies a little better maybe than people that we take the bodies to for fixing. Um, and I think we can actually tap into that information. And, you know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, um, we depended on intuition. Our, our lives actually depended on it very intensely back then. Um, we learned how to read signs in the forest. We're in touch with the seasons, the planets, the, the stars, the environment. And we knew these things likely because of learned behaviours and instincts and intuitions of our forebears. Beings can intuit events, sometimes long before they happen, sometimes short term. And this is often called precognition, where we can intuit events without understanding where they came from. So I think it's really very important that we, we give a voice, we give credibility to our intuition. Um, someone was just saying to me the other day, they took a turn off a, a freeway somewhere and it was a really important turn. They just intuitively did it. They didn't know why. And then ahead down the freeway, there'd been a really severe motor accident and uh, there were fatalities actually in that accident. And they said, wow, you know, if I hadn't have done that, that could have been me in that accident. Um, I'm also reminded of uh, how this comes to many times for women in dreams. And some years ago, I had a friend who had a series of bad, bad nightmares or dreams. And these consistently actually woke her at night. In the dream, she experienced a really deep sense of foreboding and hopelessness. And she was a really, really positive person. And during these weeks before she came to see me professionally, she'd woken up several times in the night terrifying her husband and family because she yelled at the top of her voice, oh my God, I have breast cancer. And she actually told me that she had no fear of breast cancer. And then she was assured by some preliminary tests that there was no cancer to be found. Went to a massage therapist who said, no, no, no cancer here, just a congested lymphatic system. And she started to follow an alternative route to see if she could unearth some of the uh, reasons for her dreams. But fortunately, I suggested that she have some further tests. And guess what? These tests actually turned up a four centimetre lump. Um, it was difficult to find. It was an atypical breast cancer. But if she had not followed through on that all-important intuition, uh, her life would have had a very, very different outcome. As it was, she had surgery. She had a mastectomy, actually. She had a... Um, uh, uh, an artificial uh, breast a prosthesis replaced and uh, some very good medical treatment and that was about 10 years ago and I expect that um, this lady is going to have a very long and a very happy life and it was a great learning for me as well as learning about intuition to pay attention to what our unconscious and subconscious is trying to tell us in our dreams. So we are going to our first break and we'll be back after the break with my very special guest for today, Fran Drescher. Cancer Schmancer is a name that one could easily associate with Fran Drescher. 
loved by millions for her television role as the nanny and more recently happily divorced, this humorous, elegant, beautiful and fun-loving celebrity has a more serious side to her life and mission. Fran Drescher, welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be speaking with you. Fantastic. So, uh, Fran, in my profession of working with cancer patients every day, I see many people who have tried to cure their cancer naturally and things have gone very wrong. But in your situation, uh, you had a late-stage cancer and um, uh, it well, was found. Well, let me correct you on that. I actually did not have a late-stage cancer. I, after two years and eight doctors, by the grace of God, was still in stage one. Uh And part of my mission with the Cancer Schmancer movement is to ensure that all patients uh, get diagnosed in stage one when it's most curable, because if you catch it on arrival, 95% survival. And I feel like I got famous, I got cancer, and I lived to talk about it. So that's what I'm doing. Fantastic. Uh, Fran, can you share some of that story with our listeners? Because I certainly related to uh, your story when I read it. Forgive me for making that little error. Um, And I know that uh, many people listening to the show have had a similar experience. So could you give us like a brief rundown of actually what happened? Well, I was uh, beginning to uh, experience symptoms uh, that turned out to be classic uterine cancer symptoms except for the fact that I was typically younger, uh, you know, I was, I was younger than the typical profile for a woman that would get uterine cancer and or thinner. So most women or let's say three out of four women that get uterine cancer typically are either postmenopausal or obese because when you carry a lot of body fat, your body creates more estrogen and the thing that the uterus hates more than anything is unopposed estrogen. So when you have much too much estrogen, the body can't offset that with a uh, proper amount of progesterone. So um, I was too young and too thin to get it. However, 25% of women, one out of four, are younger and thinner, and that, you know, profile is changing every day. Younger people are getting cancers that typically were uh, only seen in um, other age groups. So uh, I think that I slipped through the cracks. Even though I uh, went to excellent doctors, I think doctors as a whole are, you know, kind of like subscribe to the philosophy, if you hear hooves galloping, don't look for zebra, it's probably a horse. (laughs) And what many people don't realize, and this is why we at cancerschmanza.org like to transform patients into medical consumers so that you can be better partners with your physician through the education of the early warning whispers and the tests that are available. Um, the early warning whisper, I can, the early warning whisper is um, for many women's cancers in particular, 
mimic far more benign illnesses. So, for example, I was misdiagnosed for um, a perimenopausal condition that I didn't have because at the cancer's earliest and most curable stage, it looks very similar to that. And by the same token, a woman that has, God forbid, uh, ovarian cancer, which is far more aggressive than uterine cancer, is often misdiagnosed for irritable bowel syndrome because at the cancer's earliest and most curable whisper stage, it mimics almost identically IBS. And when I meet a woman who says, I was just diagnosed with IBS, I always say, honey, I hope that's what you got. But for a moment, step away from your gastroenterologist, go to your gynecologist and rule out ovarian cancer because that is one cancer you do not want to waste time being misdiagnosed with because it's aggressive, it shoots off seeds, it spreads quickly, and you don't have the luxury of time. So, uh, you know, never take the first uh, opinion by a doctor or the first diagnosis as gospel, even if it's what you were hoping to hear. Always get a second opinion if you could have something more serious. And knowledge is power, and we encourage people to know as much about their bodies to know what cancers they might be um, prone to and to take control of their body because, you know, when the doctor calls and tells you you have cancer, at the end of the day, he goes home and eats dinner with his family. You go home and eat your heart out with yours. Mm -hmm. So whose life is it? Who's going to care the most? You. And you got to not be an infant about it. This is the 21st century. Live in a real world and know what you're doing because right now we put more time and energy into the buying, selling, and repairing of our automobiles than we do our own body. So we have to shift that as we stand on the precipice of this new dawn of being medical consumers and using that um, information and power of consumerism wisely. That's actually very wise, uh, Fran. I've been in this um, cancer support business, if you like to call it that, for now 38 years, and I've seen about 14,000 cancer patients, and I would completely agree with everything that you've actually said. Um, I think awareness and education is fantastic, and it's something that Cancer Schmancer has literally done in, in shifting the focus from just kind of searching from the cure into education, early detection, and you've been a fan, fantastic ambassador for that. Um, but many people get cancer, though, and they just go on with their lives. What is it in Fran Drescher that's really motivated you to share this message with women? Well, you know, I think that part of it is that I was famous. So I feel a certain responsibility to leverage that fame for the greater good. And I do it on a myriad of subjects, not just you know, cancer and health and well-being. But naturally, because I am a cancer survivor, this is something that's profoundly, you know, uh, close to me, important to me, life-changing. And I think, and I would recommend this to anybody, because 
No one leaves this planet unscathed. Turning pain into purpose is healing. And I found myself at a crossroads after I had, you know, a radical hysterectomy to cure myself of the cancer, which is a difficult operation for any woman, but for one who had never had children like myself, it's a particularly bitter pill to swallow. Mm. And I felt betrayed by my body and betrayed by the medical community and stuck in a place that I didn't want to be that was uh, ultimately very permanent and of which there was no way out. Uh, So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to write a book that's going to help people so what happened to me won't happen to them. And I wrote what became the New York Times bestseller, Cancer Schmancer. And when I went on the lecture circuit and my book tours, I realized that what happened to me has happened to millions of people everywhere by means of misdiagnosis and mistreatment and for many, unfortunately, late-stage cancer diagnosis as a consequence. So I started to formulate my uh, opinions and vision for what needs to change. And uh, that meant that the book was not the end, but just the beginning of what's become a life mission. And the natural progression from that was to start the Cancer Schmancer movement, which engages people, mobilizes them, unifies them and creates a massive voice that not only lets our elected officials know, but also manufacturers, as well as our family and friends, that the way we're doing it, or the way we certainly were doing it throughout the 20th century, uh, needs drastic improvement. Because the reason why we lose loved ones to cancer is almost completely due to late-stage diagnosis. And uh, that is unacceptable. And then I think that we have to start now challenging our lifestyle because over 90% of cancer is environmentally caused. And so um, what is the most toxic place we spend the most time in? turns out to be our home. And although we don't have control over many things, we certainly have control over what we bring into our, our house. And uh, so Cancer Schmancer now has launched a great new program called Trash Cancer, which furthers the um, uh, medical consumerism into the power of consumerism for what we bring into our home, which will also further the message to manufacturers as well as elected officials that we're all entitled to buy products that are not going to make us sick and that we don't have to go to MIT to understand what the ingredients label means and that, you know, we can purchase things that we clean our homes with, that we garden with, that we put on our skin, all of our personal care items, and what we put in our mouth, the food that we eat that we that is uh, toxic-free, carcinogen-free, and, um, you know, hopefully going to, in so doing, reduce our risk of cancer for ourselves and our families. And that's the big 
prevention program that Cancer Schmancer has just launched. And your listeners can, we invite them to go to either trashcancer.org or cancerschmancer.org and click on the Trash Cancer link and learn how you can detox your life and your families and reduce your risk of cancer. You can look up um, products that you are presently buying, trusted brands that maybe your mother and your grandmother use, and see how we rate them on a scale of, you know, zero to ten, ten being bad. And uh, so you can make healthier choices and learn how you can throw a trash cancer party for you and your loved ones so that you can engage yourselves and your friends in a, in a fun way on how to detox your home, how to replace carcinogenic, toxic products that you're presently buying. When you finish those, try something that's a little more eco-friendly and a little more, uh, you know, uh, family-friendly, health-wise. Yeah, it must be a a really feel-good experience for you to be giving back in this way because you've really crafted something from what was a a pretty ordinary experience. Well, you know, I I consider myself and I've been coined a visionary because I'm able to see the seer. Um, I can look at where we're at historically, a little more objectively, pull myself out of the equation and then look back at it and see where we need to go. And historically, you know, the beginning of centuries where visionary thinking takes hold and sets the trajectory and the paradigm for the next 100 years. And I think that... Um, we are presently inundated with toxins, multiple toxins, constantly on a daily basis, and it is compromising our immune system's ability to stay healthy. That has got to stop. And uh, we as consumers need to start making healthier choices. And in so doing... Our, our manufacturers will get that message loud and clear because at the end of the day, they don't want to kill us. They just want to sell us. And if we stop buying certain products, uh, you'll see how fast they'll change their formulas. I mean, uh, Cancer Schmanza was one of the leaders in a constellation of uh, like-minded um, nonprofits who went up against some pretty big manufacturers because there was um, there was formaldehyde in baby shampoo, and they're calling it no more tear shampoo. And meanwhile, it's filled with high toxins. And uh, Johnson and Johnson was the first to change their formula as a direct response to. Uh, the simple act of boycott. Yeah, this is a whole new paradigm, and I think it's a fantastic thing that uh, you and Cancer Schmancer are actually doing for people everywhere, not just people in the U.S. 
Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's beautiful. It's a great thing. It is. And, and I always feel a responsibility in the United States. You know, we're a large nation, and uh, a lot of people look to what this country does, and they don't do everything right. They don't do everything well, but we still remain a beacon for many, and I take that responsibility to heart. We have to, you know, everyone in the free world has to start moving in this direction because we are on a slippery slope into our own demise. Yeah. Because right now, one out of two men will get cancer in their life, one out of three women. The children of today, for the first time in U.S. history, has been a determined, has been predicted to not live as long as their uh, parents did. And the babies are being born pre-polluted with two to 300 chemicals found in the umbilical cord. Now, this is unacceptable. We can't keep doing this to ourselves and mindlessly, you know, uh, moving like herds into a more and more toxic world. Uh, the jig is up, and it's time for us to take hold of the reins, turn this mother around, and move into this century much cleaner. I encourage women who are planning to have a baby to get tested for heavy metals, toxins. I mean, I know American women's breast milk has the highest percentage of flame retardant in it of any woman on the planet. Do you even know what's, where flame retardant comes from? It's probably in every piece of fabric in your home, every upholstered piece, your curtains. You know, it's like, it's so pervasive. And the breasts are like big sponges. They absorb everything, everything from fluorescent lighting to flame retardant and everything in between. So, you know, you have to be very mindful of that. We're not impervious to all this stuff. We're taking it in, we're absorbing it, and little by little, it's hurting us. Yep. So I, you know, encourage people to wake up and smell the coffee because once you wake up and smell the coffee, it's hard to go back to sleep. And myself and my organization, Cancer Schmancer, is sounding the alarm. We are now initiating a uh, bipartisan bill here in the United States that uh, hopefully will be passed and um, that will ha a have a government seal that manufacturers can acquire at their own expense if they pass, you know, the uh, strict uh lab test to determine if they have a particular product that is by today's standards considered carcinogen free. And if they do, then they can earn that uh, label uh, to put on their own label so the consumer uh, can just look for that label on a myriad of products from the food we eat, our personal care items, and uh, household cleaners and gardening. But I need to change the carpeting in some of the rooms in my bed, in my house. And, you know, I'm looking into what kind of carpet exists 
that does not have off-gassing, that isn't laden with chemicals. And I'll tell you, it's slim pickings. I may have to do sisal, which is completely natural. Uh, I believe that there are some wolves that are uh, toxic-free. But this is the direction we have to look at. This is how pervasive. I'm looking at organic fabrics now. I'm going that next step because I'm already completely organic in my house. You know, most of the personal care items that I use is toxic-free. The, you know, so now I'm taking the next level of what fabrics am I bringing into my house? You know that, quote, new car smell? That's off-gazing. Mm. That's actually very unhealthy for us. And people say, mm, that new car smell. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Who needs it? Yeah. Yeah, you're really leading yeah, by it's example. It's pervasive. It's all around us. And the jig is up. And slowly, slowly start converting everything in your home. Don't throw stuff out because you paid hard-earned money for it. Finish it. But next time you go shopping, next time you go to buy something, think about making a healthier choice. Because this is the way you can take control of your, you and your family's health and well-being. Yeah, being a conscious consumer, I think it's the only way to go, Fred. Um, I would just like, we're running out of time, but I'd really like you to talk a little bit about your latest book, um, the children's book. I've read some fantastic reviews on Amazon, by the way, um, being Wendy. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Because it seems like this is a uh, message for children. It's published by um, Penguin. As you know, it is available on Amazon, uh, as well as probably your local bookstore, if you still have one in your neighborhood. It's called Being Wendy. And it embraces uh, a person, uh, a person's individuality, and uh, to and, and originality to not feel like you have to think inside the box, but embrace who you are for all your differences. And as you probably know, the nanny continues to be a worldwide hit, and um, it continues to air every day almost everywhere in the world. And so there's a whole new generation of young people that are watching and loving the show that weren't even alive when I was actually shooting it. And I wanted to leverage that fandom and give them a powerful message um, that particularly in this time where we're beginning to pull out of the closet uh, bullying, and uh, look at what that is and um, uh, for children that may be, you know, uh, pigeonholed as being different from other children at, at school and being attacked or bullied at school, whether they're um, a different color, whether they're a different weight, too fat, too skinny, um, whether they're, uh, whether they're a, a different orientation. Um, this is all part and parcel of being unique, and we have to start educating our children to embrace that within themselves and applaud it in others. And, you know, so 
I wanted to give that message. And as it turns out, the book is actually, it's beautifully illustrated by Amy Play, who is, lives in London. And um, I think that it's a book that transcends children and is actually a worthwhile book to give as a stocking stuffer to adults as well. Anybody needs to, uh, and certainly parents also, to read Being Wendy because it's, a, uh, it's an upbeat, beautifully illustrated book that embraces individuality and originality in each of us. Thank you for that. I'm sure I'm going to uh, try and get myself a copy as well because the reviews were fantastic. Um, and I hope that if uh, Happily Divorce has not begun to air in Australia, it uh, certainly gets there soon. I believe it is. Um, and that's the new television series that I'm doing that's a big hit here in the States. Yeah, I believe so. In fact, you were talking about The Nanny before. Um, I was actually on a Virgin flight interstate in Australia recently, and they had several of The Nanny. <laughs> so you're oh, right, it's awesome. everywhere. <laughs> that's awesome. That makes me happy. I still love that show, and I feel very blessed to uh, continue to uh, hear the allocates of those that love it around the world, and I still you know, support it fully. And um, Peter and I, my ex-husband, who now is, again, my partner, who was my partner during The Nanny and is, again, my partner uh, for Happily Divorced, um, is, um, you know, the two of us uh, considered that show our baby and, uh, and still relish in its uh, success and, and, and adoration by millions throughout the world. Wonderful, Fran. Well, I think you're being a wisdom mother for everybody throughout the world now, <laughs> which is really well, wonderful. You. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a really wonderful thing you're doing. And uh, does Cancer Schmancer have anything in particular coming up? Um, well, uh, for Cancer Schmancer, you know, uh, we have our uh, legislative bill, the free label, uh, that we're going to... Uh, launch as a bipartisan bill in November and then um, of course trashcancer.org please go to trashcancer.org or cancerschmancer.org and hit trash cancer if you want to learn how you can detox your life and reduce your risk of cancer and then of course transform from being a patient into a medical consumer, learn the early warning whispers of the cancers that may affect you, and know the tests that are available so you can become better partners with your physician at cancerschmanza.org. And uh, learn how to de-stress, to find moments out of each day to uh, rest, and uh, restore your immune system because if you allow yourself to get stressed and you don't realize that that's compromising your immune system, you're going to get sick, uh, even if it's a simple cold. So always be uh, aware that uh, we have to keep bolster our immune system, de-stress, and listen to our bodies and live a preventative, healthy lifestyle. Thank you, Fran. Your message is wonderful. Uh, I hope we see you in Australia. <laughs> Be well. Thank you so much.
org. I really hope that you go to the website um, for those of you particularly there in the USA, but hey, this is this is a global community, so I'd encourage everybody to have a look at the site. There's some excellent resources. Um, there's a terrific shop on the Kansas Man site, some great t-shirts which can really get the message out there as well. And, of course, uh, both of Fran's books, um, Cancer Schmancer, which was the book about her life and her um, her recovery, and also Being Wendy, the latest children's book. So you can also read the reviews of that on Amazon. So I, I trust, I'm sure you did, find that interview very uh, inspiring I think one of the things for me that has come through uh, my association with um, with Fran now and Cancer Schmancer and and Fran's um, lovely uh, organising personal assistant uh, Billy has been their commitment to actually making a difference and somebody like Fran using her celebrity status to really go out there and to really improve the lives of, of women, therefore the lives of families, the lives of children, um, is something that is a real role model and we need to see far more of in our communities because we are a global community and the things that we are doing that are affecting people um, in the sense of their health, their immune system. You know, as a, as a practitioner, I work with uh, children with cancer as well and it pains me greatly to be working with just these wonderful parents and, and children that are either born with cancer or develop it when they're around about 18 months old. And um, there's some highs and some lows, of course, in that work. So for Cancer Schmancer, to be looking at awareness, at education, um, at early detection, uh, prevention uh, as well, we didn't get time on that interview to mention the Fran Van or Fran Vans, which actually help women in underprivileged um, areas, in, in lower socioeconomic areas where times have been a bit tough and those women don't get to uh, get access to proper care. Uh, another initiative of Cancer Mansa has been the initiation of the Fran Van. So I think um, she's fantastic and I wish we could clone her and have more of her everywhere around the world as well as her fantastic presentations to us um, over the years on, on the television. So thank you very much today um, to Fran Jessup Drescher for being a very special guest on this program. Um, moving along in the sort of work that I do, I guess, in comparison to um, Cancer Schmancer, I, I do a lot of work in the prevention and awareness areas uh, and education for cancer. But the majority of my work, unfortunately, falls into the realm of helping people who are already diagnosed and uh, who may be diagnosed also at a very late stage and wondering what they can do. I think you can take on board still, even if you're a late stage cancer patient, a lot of the things that we discussed in the interview with Fran Drescher in the, looking at your home in particular, uh, the pollutants that are in your environment, the electromagnetic pollutants as well as the, the physical pollutants that you can see and the chemicals that are there, 
because these are things that our um, our senses, our bodies, our immune systems have really in the evolution of man not seen before. Uh, so there's a lot of challenges out there and I think every little contribution that you can make uh, into minimizing your exposure to chemicals, to, to really becoming that conscious consumer can make a big difference even at the, the late stage of a cancer. So it's helpful for your family as well to uh, become conscious consumers. So once again, cancerschmancer.org. Um, another very good research, uh, resource rather that we mentioned last week was ewg.org. Uh, this is a group who has also a very uh, wonderful uh, um, array of products, of uh, cosmetics, of perfumes, of skincare, of all the things that you could use in the family. And it does have a very good rating on those. So like Cancer Schmancer, there's a lot of very good organizations out there who are now really starting to make a difference with bringing um, conscious consumerism. You know, when you go to the supermarket, take those magnifying glasses to read the small print and actually see what is in the products that you're buying because uh, consumer power really does make a difference. Now, as we said uh, at the beginning of today's program, uh, the program's actually coming to you from Germany uh, tonight where I'm a consultant to the Halvang Private Oncology Clinic where uh, they look at a number of things. And Fran did mention uh, testing for heavy metals for uh, people. If you want to get pregnant, test for these things. Uh, the clinic here actually does a very broad range of treatments, looking at botanical medicine, breakthrough cancer medicine, genetic testing, uh, access to treatments such as a dendritic cell, cell therapies and vaccinations, and a whole myriad of things which actually may not um, be available in the USA. I know certainly in Australia, um, this is the case. So if you're listening to the program today and you're not in the stage of prevention um, or early detection, you actually have a cancer diagnosed, please give some consideration uh, to coming to Germany and to availing yourself of the amazing treatments that actually are available here. And if you want to know any more about those treatments and about the work that we do here at the Halvang Oncology Clinic, I'd suggest you go to um, one of my websites, which is www.germancancertreatments.com. And on there, especially on the Doctors and Treatments page, you'll find a lot of resources as to the sort of treatments that are available here. I'd also mention a few weeks back, I interviewed Dr. Ray Hammond, who has been using the RGCC genetic testing, uh, which is one of the prime things that's actually used here at the Halvang Clinic so that the medicines that are actually prescribed to cancer patients are personalised and they're targeted to your actual cancer, to the, the genetics of your cancer, if you like, to the DNA of your cancer. And as well, they provide um, all of the psycho-oncology, which has also been a very large part of this program. Uh, the site has some wonderful videos on it. 
and you'll see some uh, some fellow Americans there who have had a very good response by coming to the Halvang Clinic. You'll see the beautiful scenery of the Black Forest and um, the care and compassion and uh, the standard of care here at the clinic can actually offer patients who may not have a lot of hope um, in your home country. Uh, as in my home country of Australia, I bring uh, groups of patients over here and collaborate and organise and just do everything for them to make the whole journey over here as seamless as possible. We look at stress reduction and many of these psycho-oncology issues while we actually have patients here. So today we've had quite a, uh, a varied package in navigating the cancer maze with looking at early detection, prevention, education, awareness and hopefully some of the information that you'll find on germancancertreatments.com will also uh, help you in your decisions and in the options that you have. You know, as as well as uh, Fran was saying, don't just take the first opinion. Uh, So many patients with advanced cancer always uh, come to me and they say, I'm so distressed, I went to one doctor and I've been given a death sentence. I've been bone pointed as a negative prognosis. And uh, we always say, well, you know, you have to shop around a little bit and you have to get a few opinions. And this is just one person's opinion that you have. So thank you again to um, our dear and very special guest, Fran Drescher, for joining us today. I know she had to fit that interview in between a very busy schedule um, and we're very grateful for her doing that.